0: Hi, my name is Lily Gillum, I'm 15, I live in Los Angeles, California, and I am so excited to be able to share this podcast with all of you and I really do hope that you enjoy. When we have conversations about climate change, it can be really discouraging when presented with stats like only 100 companies are responsible for 71% of carbon emissions. I remember when I heard that for the first time and I felt so completely helpless. And that's a really trapping feeling to have this leads people to think that they can't do anything that they can't make changes and while obviously i strongly believe that on the executive level massive changes must take place as global citizens there are things that we can all individually do to reduce our carbon footprint And of course, I think it is really important to note the fact that the ability to shift to a more eco-friendly lifestyle is unfortunately really heavily dependent on financial means, but that being said, personally, I am so privileged enough to be able to afford a sustainable plant-based diet. I've been vegetarian for about three years, and it's solutions like this one that can be so commonly overlooked we can make a difference and even through seemingly insignificant changes we are making a difference and i would personally argue that education often provides for the best solvency i've talked to people who didn't believe in climate change because they genuinely did not understand how it works and if people doubt the real effects and the real world's consequences of climate change then there's no possibility for us to come together and actually make changes to stop this crisis When people don't truly understand the consequences and the urgency of climate change, no change at all can be made. This is why advocacy and activism is so incredibly vital. We should not, and frankly, we cannot wait for everyone to breathe the smoke from the California wildfires or lose their homes to extreme flooding to save our planet. Our planet is dying, and that's really a scary and dangerous situation to be in. However, at the same time, I do think that it's really important to acknowledge and commend the activism that has taken place on all levels. I know personally at my school, we've noticed food waste to be a big problem. So a group of students came together and um, talked to our school administrations and um, opted to put food waste, like cans next to every trash can around campus. And even though that seems insignificant, Within our school community, we're already making changes, so I'd really like to take the time to um, acknowledge and to thank the many activists and people who have um, dedicated their, themselves and their priorities to make positive change. So starting off with Christopher Thiel, um, interviewed by Jacqueline Thiel. First question is: How has your company taken steps to address the issues related to the environment, and provide scientific and technical examples of your company's recent success stories?
1: Yeah. So the decisions we make are decisions every day in terms of drilling wells and bringing on new hydrocarbon production. Um, important in all those decisions is the impact on environment and in the communities in which we operate. So if you think in terms of looking for tangible examples, uh, when we think about uh, emissions intensity uh, as a company, we've grown like 70 percent in the last five years to about a 30,000 barrel a day company uh, producing oil and natural gas. Um, But despite increasing production by that magnitude, our direct emissions intensities dropped 14%, and methane emissions intensities dropped by 18%. And when we look at trying to align with things like the Paris Accord, uh, we are targeting uh, a 5% reduction annually of our direct GHG emissions. And that would put us fully in compliance with a 30% reduction in GHG emissions by 2030. So that's on the emissions front uh... the other things that we do is, is is relates to freshwater usage and the oil industry uses a lot of fresh water for fracking wells and uh... that water can either be sourced from local lakes or rivers or we can take initiatives to uh... recycle the water that we produce we do produce associated water and Velvet's been on the leading edge of that if you think in terms of uh... what that impact looks like um, the amount of water we use to frack wells uh, is equivalent for the fracks that we did in 2019 the amount of water is equivalent to 86 olympic swimming pools in terms of size wow. and put it in context of liters it's 34 million liters of water that we are either pulling from or were pulling from rivers or trucking and if you think about trucking Uh, That was the equivalent of almost 75,000 truckloads of water on a truck moving to a lease to inject in a well and those trucks go down regional roads near the city of Grand Prairie and there are school buses on those roads so uh, we have effectively taken 75,000 trucks off the roads because we got to a point last year where we are taking the produced water and recycling 100% of it, so not drawing any fresh water from the river uh, ecosystem. And that's an immediate, tangible benefit to the environment, uh, not only from a water usage standpoint, but from a social and safety aspect in the communities that we operate.
0: We've seen that activism can and does take many different forms and can happen in different ways. Like um, locally advocating through schools or on a local level in your community, and also um, through changes in your workplace or company and in your home. Um, And it's really interesting to look at the root of why um, people decide to dedicate themselves to combat climate change. I had the pleasure of interviewing a very good friend of mine, Reese Yen, who's also a sophomore at Polytechnic School, and she talked about how. Being a young person and growing up and seeing the effects of climate change happen in her backyard and happen on the news, it really pushed her to um, face the very real life consequences that are happening and unfolding in front of her because of climate change. And she feels the generational pressure that it's our duty as a generation to really um, fight for change and she also talked about her involvement with the student leadership and diversity and equity club at our school and how the racial inequalities that go hand in hand with climate change also pushed her to um, be a stronger activist and I'd like to direct the attention to um, the very well conducted interview by Ivan Garcia and looking at more motives um for activism
2: really um, talked about so for me it's really important as a person of color to kind of lead this movement um towards educating
1: more and more uh, our younger generations towards um climate justice and that topic.
2: I think that's a great, I actually wasn't planning on, you know, bringing in that facet that you just mentioned. Um, But I think it's really important to mention it. I actually, this is such a coincidence, but I kind of have to mention it. I was in the car um, with my grandma yesterday. um, And we were talking about climate change. And it was interesting to hear the very surface level you know, knowledge that she had on the topic, and I didn't even, like, recognize, you know, I'm a person of color, I'm also in the Latinx community, and I, I think that, you know, like, it isn't talked about in our community, and when it is talked about, um, I I don't think it's portrayed accurately. Um, so I, I think the point you just made, maybe I'm going on a tangent here, but um, I think it's important to talk about, and I also think that, um, in, you know, non-POC communities and spaces um, whenever, I don't think Latinx people are brought into the conversation around, like, how do we center their narratives and their experiences? And because we- their focus
1: is basically, uh, one of their main focuses is just reducing their carbon footprint, um, trying to educate students more on this um, topic of climate change, um, just the main focus is ed- educating more of our younger generations on climate change. So that, um, honestly was the big focus of Credo and it was what really got me into, um, this like activist movement towards, um, climate justice. Uh, and-, and
0: just to highlight one last, um, activist that I found, specifically impressive, um, I'd like to direct the attention to Caroline Lesher's interview with um, Cecilia O'Sullivan. Um, first question is, like, how did you originally become involved in climate change and, like, the issue itself?
3: Yeah, so, I mean, I guess I don't really remember it that well, but in eighth grade, we did a project on, like, renewable energy and fossil fuels. And, like, I hadn't really, like, heard, like, I knew what climate change was, but I didn't really, like, know too much about it until then. But, like, that project kind of made me realize that it was, like, a really big issue that, like, I kind of was, like, not realizing. And then in freshman year, I kind of just got more involved, like, through social media Mm -hmm. because I discovered, like, uh, the climate strike movement and also some, like, Virginia-based organizations um, with some people that I knew. So I joined those just because I was, like, you know starting to become more concerned about climate change in the environment and as my like involvement with those kind of continued on I just became more passionate about it and continued to join different organizations that were kind of fighting for environmental justice and that's pretty much how I began.
0: Yeah so I know you're involved in the Virginia Youth Climate like cooperative right? What, yeah. what do you guys do there and what's their sort of like mission? Like
3: yeah. Um, so their like, overall mission is to um, work for environmental and climate justice in Virginia, while also kind of keeping in mind things such as like racial justice um, and yeah, things like that, because they're more intersectional and kind of acknowledge that uh, racial justice and environmental justice do go hand in hand. And personally, I work as the press director. So what I do is I run a team and we write things like op-eds and press releases um, on certain like environmental topics. Like recently we're writing a lot about Biden's plan for the climate and also on the Virginia General Assembly, like their kind of stances. And that's basically what my team does. But the other teams do things like hold events with speakers to, are like working to educate people. We work a lot with the Virginia General Assembly on passing um, certain like environmental bills. Um, We, yeah, a lot of what we do is just like educating people. Um, And before COVID, we did host like events like climate strikes, but since because of the pandemic, we've moved to things like phone banking and lobbying days that can be done over Zoom. That's kind of like the overview of what we do.
0: Yeah, that's super awesome. So just to wrap up, we've had the great opportunity to hear from all sorts of different people on varying levels um, of creating change in their own ways and why they've dedicated themselves to create change. And I mean, seriously, this podcast could go on for forever. Um, Every single interviewee in all of the um, interviews conducted are beyond impressive and I think the best word to describe them is impactful and I think that that term impactful really carries a lot I mean like I talked about in the beginning there's so much going on in our world and there's so much hate and there's so much division and there's still so much uncertainty of what's going on and so much um, doubtfulness and resistance to acknowledge the climate crisis that we're in and these people especially the ones um in this podcast really are making a difference through um, their companies and through their communities and just educating people. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in and listening, and I can't wait to hopefully make another podcast soon.